Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real, where we're going to dive into the mysterious world of plastic surgery. My name's Alex and each episode I'm sitting down with the respected surgeons Dr Richard Bloom and Dr Kim Taylor from Replastic Surgery and we're going to ask all the hard questions that you want the answers to. Moist and not coming in saying I want to look like Posh Spice or Pamela Anderson. And so it can be quite life-changing for them and um, we see improvements in their self-esteem, their confidence. If someone's had good work done, then no, I don't, I don't believe it is obvious. If you're having a breast augmentation, you know, you don't want to be going to the plastic surgeon who does road trauma. obviously been listening to Dr Kim Taylor and Dr Richard Bloom talk to us about plastic surgery for a long time. However, we're going to take a departure from the normal episodes that we do about surgery and kind of go into the background about RE and how it actually came together as a practice. We look back at the launch in 2017 and how the brand has really evolved and where we're headed next. Richard and Kim, welcome. Hi Alex, thanks for having us again. Hi, Alex. Well, this episode is all about how you two and Replastic Surgery came to be. Let's start with how both of you actually became plastic surgeons. It's not really a dream that a lot of kids have when they're younger. But Richard, tell me your journey of how you became a plastic surgeon. Well, that's an interesting intro, Alex, because um, I kind of, I almost did. Um, so I remember, I remember very clearly when I was six years old, and uh, my mum's mum had just died of melanoma. And I actually remember sitting with my mum when she told me. I remember exactly where I was. And I said then that I was going to be a, become a doctor and I wanted to cure melanoma. So I sort of was, didn't quite make it, wasn't quite successful in doing that. Um, but actually in my first 10 years or so of, of being a, a plastic surgeon, I worked at the... Uh, Victorian melanoma unit at the Alfred uh, and I actually treated a lot of melanoma so um, so I always felt that was a bit of a nod to my grandmother who I was very very close to um, but then when I was at school my parents arranged for me to do work experience with a plastic surgeon so I was in about year 10 so I was 15 years old and that was pretty much it for me I was I was hooked uh, I remember the operations that we did. I remember, I remember consulting um, with the surgeon. I was actually chatting to him on the phone just last night about something not related. Um, and so that was always going to be my uh, destiny, that along with quite a bit of um, subliminal thought from my, my parents over the years. But uh, I then got into medicine. So at 16, you actually had your first experience of seeing actual operations? Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually, I went into theatre. Uh, mm. I remember one of the first operations that I ever saw was called, it's, it's an operation that's not really done anymore. It's called a policization, which is where you um, basically detach the index finger and uh, turn it around and make it into a thumb so that you can pinch things if someone has lost a, a thumb. Well, what about you, Kim? Did you always dream about being a plastic surgeon since you were young too? No, completely different story really. So um, obviously I am from New Zealand and in high school I played a lot of sport and had an injury at one point and remember going to see a sports doctor and 
I loved that experience because the specific sports doctor was more about getting me back to playing sport rather than other doctors who'd be like, oh, you know, you just have to rest. And so I went to medical school wanting to be a sports doctor and in particular the doctor for the All Blacks. Obviously that didn't pan out either. Um, I didn't really have any experience with plastic surgery until I was probably about three or four years out of medical school and um, I was going to be a surgeon um, at that time um, and I thought I'll do a rotation in plastic surgery thinking it'll be good skills for becoming a general surgeon and yeah from day one really I found it was so much more interesting the reconstructive side of things where as previously as a general surgery doctor um, telling someone oh you've got breast cancer we have to take your breast off or as, as the plastic surgery team we were then talking about how to rebuild and reconstruct that um, and the other interesting thing that I found was the anatomy I'd already been I'd always loved and so the anatomy of the hand and doing hand surgery really interested me so then I had to switch paths uh, quite a bit and um, start again really down the plastic surgery path um, which then involved uh, moving to Sydney um, and that's how I ended up in Australia. Um, I had an opportunity to do a job um, in Sydney and had a lot of support and ended up getting up training um, in Sydney following that. Well this is something that you've both talked about that in Australia there are plastic surgeons that don't have that much training or qualifications. Tell me a little bit about your qualifications and how long it actually took you to get to where you are. Yeah, so uh, as I was saying before, I got into medicine. We do six years of medical training, so you need that to become a doctor. At the end of that, you get what's a degree that's a, a Bachelor of Medicine, Bachelor of Surgery, uh, and then you start working in the hospitals. So I did my internship at the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne, and then you do. I did a number of years at the Alfred as a surgical resident, and then um, did a year of uh, general two years of general surgery so that, that was about five years working as a sort of a junior uh, doctor at uh, various hospitals around Melbourne linked through the Alfred and then then you have to apply and and it's quite a competitive process had to apply and, and get into plastic surgery which um, I was fortunate enough to do and then and then start four years of, of training so uh, so all up, it's about 16 years or so from when you leave school. That's a very big commitment. <laughs> sure is. And I guess when you say when you first started out and you started talking to people about what you were going to do, um, and obviously both of you specialise in breast surgery, how do those conversations go down at dinner parties when you tell people what you do? Uh, it's... Um... It's a never-ending conversation, really. Um, I remember recently just meeting um, a couple for the first time, and it was impossible for me to get them off talking about breast implants for the entire dinner conversation. Yeah, people are often really quite intrigued. Um, they they are often quite surprised when um, we talk about breast reduction and breast lift because there's a lot of assumption that yeah, plastic surgery is is purely cosmetic surgery. So, for example, um, you know, facelift, nose job, um, breast augmentation. But, um, yeah, it's been quite a lot of time educating people on the other procedures that we do and um, other things. But, yeah, most people are quite intrigued and interested. Yeah, certainly 
a lot don't like to have all the details of exactly what we do and um, what goes on in our operating room. <laughs> I guess a lot of it is pretty squeamish. What about you, Richard? What happens when you tell people what you do? Um, there's, most people are very interested. A lot of my friends are in sort of uh, more of a business background and uh, so it's very different to what they do. And uh, so, it's, yeah, a lot of interest um, mainly from their partners and wives, I would say, but um, but everyone's always – it's such an interesting specialty and now there's so much – there's so much uh, – about it on TV, everyone. The first question everyone always asks is, you know, do you watch Botch? Do you watch Botch? Um, which <laughs> I, I've never actually watched. Kim and I have actually met one of the guys. We were, we were at a conference together, and um, he was in the uh, in the line ahead of us. Um, but yeah, I've never watched it. I never really it's watched. It's a great Nick show. Tuck. Yeah, it is a great show. I love it, and I was I was definitely a bit of the fangirl uh when we did see i won't name his name but uh one of the the two stars of botched um and i, so you I had watched like professional fan moment yes yeah sort of pr- maybe a little bit unprofessional possibly too um <laughs> but um uh, i always loved nip tuck as well i thought that was such a terrible but great show um and the worst part of that show um that I used to think was at the very start and the two surgeons are sitting by this massive desk and a potential patient walks in and the first thing they say is, tell us what you, what you don't like about yourself. Um, and I always, like that has always rung a bell with me that something to one, never ever say to a patient and two, how unprofessional those two guys were just sat there like as, you know, very male authoritarian type of um, very stereotypical and old school um, sort of environment. Kim, maybe we need to do a rebotched series. <laughs> uh, absolutely. That's actually the other thing that comes up a bit at um, dinner parties too is that, um, yeah, not just about have you watched botch, but, you know, tell us, tell us about the worst thing that you've ever seen or, you know, t- tell us about the worst complication that you've ever um, come across. I guess that's the human nature, isn't it? That everyone wants to know the really bad parts of the journey. So tell me, how did you guys actually meet then? If Kim, you're from New Zealand and Richard, you're from Melbourne. How did you actually end up being partners and part of RE? Um, so yeah, part of the story that I was uh, before when I moved to Sydney and then I ended up doing my um, four years of plastic surgery training in Sydney and then to super specialised, I looked at places all around the world uh, where to go and even did exams to go to America um, but couldn't find any jobs that really suited um, the extra things that I wanted to learn after I'd finished my formal training. Um, until I found a couple of jobs in Melbourne. Um, so one of them was at the children's hospital and the other one was at a private practice that Richard was um, one of the two partners of. And so I uh, spent six months in um, that private practice and um, learned a lot more about more body contouring and um, breast type of procedures. And my original plan was to go back to Sydney, but the opportunity to then join that practice uh, came up. And so um, I've never, 11 years later, never quite made it back um, to Sydney. And so <laughs> I joined I joined that practice um, 
uh, with Richard. And then as time moved on, um, our focus changed a little bit, and that's where um, we we decided to sort of break apart. And I'll let Richard tell the rest of the story. Yeah, so Kim and I um, sort of, I suppose you'd say, hit it off right from the start. And then we were in this practice, and it was a very sort of general practice, general plastic surgery practice. And we felt that there was an opportunity to have, create something that was a bit more bespoke. And so we, we decided to start RE uh, with having much more of a focus on breast and body contouring surgery and, and also just the patient experience. So uh, we felt there was uh, that women wanted to not have such a uh, medical type experience, but a, a more personalized experience. Uh, and so, so that's where we, why we started the practice and, and it really then influenced everything about how we developed the practice that the styling of the office, the website, everything about it. Um, we started with our core values and then, um, built everything up from there. Mm. Well, let's get into that a, a little bit more because you do find that re very much focuses on the individual rather than the medical side of things. Why? Where did you see that patients were actually missing out on things in the journey that it tweaked for you guys? That's what you should offer. Um, I'll jump in here. So uh, it's it's about the whole um, experience, the whole journey. Um, what we believe in is um, that we're not purely just surgeons that someone comes and they have an operation and that's it. So um, there's a lot to that journey in, in terms of initially people meeting us and um, getting to know us and, and that's part of what we're doing now even so that um, when patients come into the rooms and they've watched videos of us and lives and there's a lot of information about who we are and our, the work we do and our sort of philosophy, I guess, that's available to people before they come in. So they've got a real feeling of um, what we have to offer. And then um, obviously we I think we're both pretty down to earth and personable and um, can just have a one-on-one uh, -on -one chat with someone um, that's not that real, you know, doctor in a white coat that is sitting behind a big desk. So, you know, get a personal connection with someone um, and then plan a surgical uh, procedure or procedures and um, to upcoming. And then obviously the surgery is the main part of it, but then there's a whole lot of um, follow-up care and a lot that comes after that and with that. And um Part of our, our brand essence, I guess, that we that is the, the core stone of everything that we do is um, is confidence. And so we want to um, you know show our patients that the, the confidence that um, we have in ourselves, but also that um, they have in coming to us, and then also for them to regain confidence, I guess, after any um, procedure that we we um, do for them. Mm. Well, as you mentioned your brand before, Richard, how did the name Replastic Surgery come about? What's the story behind it? Well, I mean, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of late nights between me and Kim, uh, trying to focus on what we wanted the practice to stand for, and uh, she wouldn't accept Bloom Plastic Surgery, and I wouldn't accept <laughs> Taylor Plastic Surgery. 
We actually had uh, at one point um, was it Taylor and Bloomed or it was something some kind of you know somewhat tacky. Uh, That's kind of nice. Taylor and Bloom. It's kind of like a, a florist, I guess. So we, we wanted something neutral um, and we wanted something that three years down the track, everyone say, yeah, well, what else would you call it? And I think we've really been able to do that. And it's just been such a versatile uh, name. You know, we use it a lot in our skincare products, refresh, rejuvenate. Uh, we use it, you know, across all of our social media. And it's just become a, so much a part of us. You, you just suddenly think of rewords all the time. And so, yeah, there was uh, a lot of late nights, a lot of um, glasses of wine, and uh, there, we, there we have it. <laughs> like every good business idea. Correct. Well, you've kind of explained that your original vision was confidence and making it all about the patient's journey rather than about the, the medical side of things. What about moving forward? Are you guys going to continue that? Are we going to see something different? Um, like that's really what we're what we're all about. I, d- I don't think our philosophy is going to change any time soon. Um, certainly, we uh, you know we have new ideas all the time, and obviously, even just doing these podcasts with you has been in the last maybe twelve months. Um, it's not something we've all, always done, but um, things like that we're always you know planning more and happy to talk about. Uh, most topics are not off limits. So if anyone has um, comments or questions or suggestions of things they might want to listen to, then yeah, please uh, let us know. Feedback is always good. Richard, what about you? Alex, I think one thing that has sort of coincided with how when we started RE is the involvement of social media in plastic surgery and plastic surgery practices and, and patients. And uh, it's become engagement with our patients whether it's through Instagram or our Regals page or the podcast or videos or lives, that has now become such an important part of our practice. And we think that's one of the main things that separates us from, from a lot of other practices, not only sort of the very personalised care, but as Kim was alluding to before, how, how we actually connect with our patients. And everyone who comes to see us, I think, has a pretty good idea of who we are before they even have a consultation. So uh, the rise of social media, which we've talked about in another podcast, has very much been part of the development of, of RE and how we focus on patients. Mm. Let's take it back a little bit because obviously you guys have been extremely successful. When you started the practice, did you guys have a moment where you thought, maybe it won't go so well? What were you nervous about? Well, I guess when you're starting anything new, it's it's always quite a lot of unknown. Um, little things, I guess, you know, not so little things that, um, you know, that taking a bit longer than we planned in terms of getting the rooms open. So, you know, the building always took a little bit longer than um, planned. And we, we had some amazing staff at that time and we were basically working uh, out of uh, – small offices at one of the hospitals that we worked at and we were really just itinerant for a few months and um, the other thing was that we we already had established practices which we in a way sort of thought would just continue um, when we started the new brand and really it was it was not quite like that Um, and so we actually had to to build the brand up and build up our own reputations um, 
almost from scratch uh, at that point in time, um, which I think both of us were a little bit surprised about um, as well. But it's nothing whatsoever that I would regret about that process. Um, and yeah, plenty of um, small and bigger teething issues as, as time went on. But um, that's what running a small business is like too, I guess. So. And what about you, Richard? I'm betting that you always thought that you were going to be gratefully <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I've seen this evolving um, trend of, of this type of practice. So I was, I was pretty confident that there was the demand and that this is the way that women seeking this sort of surgery was going to, to go. Um, and, but, yeah, I mean, Kim's right. I mean, the first, the first year it did probably take a little bit longer than what we would have have thought it was really a total rebirth of, of our practices. But as Kim said, not a single um, regret. I mean, we just, I love coming to work every day. I love, I, I love, I'm in the office pretty much uh, every, every single day at some point. <laughs> uh, and I'm just very proud of, I'm proud of what we've been able to achieve. I'm, I'm proud of the, the care that we give patients. Uh, I, I love, truly love hearing and, and, and reading the comments that out the patients write on social media uh, and it, it makes all of the hard work very much worthwhile. You can always tell that you're very passionate about it. Well, look, thank you, Kim and Richard, for that journey behind the scenes into how RE actually began. For our listeners, if you want to find out more, as always, head to our social media pages, RE Girls on Facebook, and we also have an Instagram and feel free to learn more or ask uh, Kim and Richard a question. But thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Keeping It Real. To keep up with our next episodes, go and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you have further questions or want to take the next step, visit www.replasticsurgery.com.au or follow Re on social media.